Welcome to episode 29 of Beyond the Desk, a podcast of West Dallas Public Library. I'm Sarah, a librarian at West Dallas Public Library, and today Katie and our summer intern Julia talk with me about Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. It's about two kids who bond over their love for video games and then design their own as adults. You don't need to be a gamer to fall for Sam and Sadie and their story, which taps into universal experiences. If you haven't read it yet, you're in for a treat. Today we're going to talk about Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel Zevin. I'm Sarah. I'm Katie. And I'm Julia. This is my first time on the pod. Um, (laughs) And I'm the program and outreach intern here at the library. Thanks, Julia. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Katie, for joining me. Always happy. So I was really excited about Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. When I read it, a friend of mine who's in my book club recommended it and said she wanted somebody to read it so that she could talk about it with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'll read it. And I love the story. It's really kind of about these two friends who meet each other when they're children in a hospital. Sam has a number of surgeries on his foot. He was in a Mm -hmm. car accident and he is not really talking to anybody or interacting with people. Sadie is visiting her sister who is in the hospital and the two, Sam and Sadie, connect over video games. Some years later when they're in college they run into each other again and they decide to make video games together and I just thought it was a beautiful story of friendship and the creative process and storytelling. I'm interested to hear what did you think of the book? I loved it. I didn't really know what to expect. I know Sarah you had given kind of a brief overview when we talked about it but I just loved how complex it was. I loved all of the different layers. I do like books that have multiple points of view and so I can really appreciate that because it helps me connect with the characters deeper but yeah it just it felt so real and I'm not a video game person at all. I loved it. I thought it was beautifully written. I agree and I was actually thinking about this. My absolute favorite part about this book is that it felt complete. I read it not feeling like I needed a sequel, not wishing there was more information about even some of the side characters, that it was a complete story in itself and that I knew what I needed to know about these characters, even some of the side characters and even as people came in and out it was very clear their role and I think what she did with the narrative structure was fascinating. I loved it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What did you like about the narrative structure? I love games. It was structured as a game in that you got the information you needed when you needed it, and there were almost side quests to give you other information you needed. Things weren't necessarily linear in that you started in the beginning, but then you went back to the past quite a bit to fill in the gaps of your knowledge of the characters and the story. And there's even a lovely part that I absolutely adored where you're in the game that two of the characters are playing. And I thought it was just genius because once you start thinking it and how they're creating games, the book is very much written as that kind of role-playing game. And you, the reader, are Sadie or Sam playing along. And that's how I felt. And I laughed because I spent a lot of time thinking about who the main character is because it's really Sadie and Sam's story. But I cannot wait in about 10 years to read some kind of thesis on how this is Sadie's hero's journey. Journey, and Sam is her supporting 
main character because that's my conclusion and someone has to agree with me. <laughs> I really like your take that the story itself was like a game because I'm not a gamer either and I didn't really think of it so much in terms of it being a game until that section where you are mm-hmm. in the game. I really liked that. Not that you had to have that in the story but it was fun. It felt like yeah. you were part of the story in a way that was different from how you're part of the story in a typical novel or in the novel up to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's interesting that you saw it that way. I think you hit upon one of the things that I really liked about the book is that the characters are so amazing. Mm -hmm. I loved the characters. Sam is so endearing. And what you were saying, Julia, about getting their perspectives, Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Part of it is that the two of them, when they get into these arguments or have these periods where they're upset with each other, is because they don't understand where they're coming yeah. from. They don't have what the reader has, which is their insider mm-hmm. perspective and understanding where they're coming from. And I loved that Sam kind of has this crush on Sadie this whole time, and he adores her and wouldn't want to do anything to hurt her. But he is going through a lot of struggles on his own. He is part Korean. He dealt with some traumatic events in his childhood, including the death of his mother. Then he had this disability. He was dealing with his crushed foot and had to have all these surgeries. So he has a lot of interesting aspects to his character. And then I absolutely loved Sadie Mm -hmm. because I felt like she was this smart woman in a man's world. Mm -hmm. She was, at the time that they're making their initial games in the 90s, there aren't really a lot of women in technology. I think even still you could say it's more men than women. And she was doing a lot of the designing, really, because she was studying computer programming. Her contributions were kind of minimized by the journalists Mm -hmm. and by the gaming community. They did see Sam, in part, I think, because of his personality and how good he was with the media. They saw him as kind of the face of Unfair Games, their company, where really Sadie did a lot of the work of the actual designing of the game. And I think Sam had a lot of good ideas that made Sadie's initial ideas better. But yeah, that was one of the things that I really liked about them. And then Mark's Watanabe, who is their third partner, he was Sam's roommate in college at Harvard, and he kind of always liked Sadie too, but Sadie wasn't interested in either of them. She was (laughs) having an affair with her professor. Former professor. Former professor. (laughs) I think didn't it start when she was in? She was in class. But by the time everyone knew about it, it was was, former. Yes. But I really liked Marx. He was such a good person to facilitate things Mm -hmm. between them because they were the creatives. They would get temperamental and upset with each other. And he was really good at bringing them together. Or he even was responsible for their move to California years later Mm -hmm. because he told each of them that they were moving for the other one. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was sweet. And I think what's awesome about Marx is he... He is a people person in the sense of kind of like you said, he senses what people need and makes sure it's there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think it's in Sam's point of view, there's a really vivid scene where he buys a jacket from an army navy surplus store and just leaves it in a bag. And then finally one day when Sam, who's from California and is in um, Massachusetts, doesn't have a coat, he's like, oh, can I have that? And he's like, yeah. But you find Marx is doing these things because he knows Sam won't ask, but also Sam needs his help. Mm -hmm. He's very generous. He's kind of the benefactor, but in a way that 
you love him and he doesn't flaunt it. He doesn't say, oh, I need more credit. He's the person that makes it work. Mm-hmm. And he has a creative background too. Like he was studying drama yes. and he really yes. loved that. But then he shows himself to be really a great business person mm-hmm. and that's what he brings. He is able to think in terms of the business that yeah. I think in ways that Sam and Sadie wouldn't and they really benefit from yeah. having yeah. him on board. Well, I know at the beginning when Sam and Sadie partnered up and it all came out that Marx was going to be the producer, she was not. Yeah happy like could not see how he would fit in in that summer that they spent together she was like he took care of everything (laughs) he anticipated the needs of everyone and I just absolutely I adored his character I felt like for me he was the most likable we didn't see into Mm -hmm. his side nearly as much but I just loved him he was definitely a likable character. Yeah. I think both Sam and Sadie are likable too, but yeah, we do definitely see more of their quirks. Yeah. We don't always see them in the best of yeah. And they're just constantly <laughs> at odds. Mm-hmm. But I think in the big nerd in me coming out now, when you look at like the structure of a hero's journey, you have that kind of benefactor that comes in, mm-hmm. and that's who I think Marx is. And I don't mm-hmm. think we can draw a lot of direct parallels, but that's one thing I saw him as. Yeah, and I'll use like kind of the book terms and game terms. Sam and Sadie are playable, so they can make mistakes. They're coded to be human, and in the book, Marks to me felt like it's his job to be generous and kind and gregarious, so we only see him that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So he's kind of this, I'll call him a non-playable character, but also in like the hero's journey, which she kind of dwells on, he's kind of that benefactor who comes in and finances it and makes it work. Yeah, sure. What about some of the games that were mentioned in the story? So Ichigo is their mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. game that they design and I thought it was really interesting how they made the character initially gender non-specific mm-hmm. and that was like really important to Sadie I remember yeah. and I don't know I kind of wanted to play some of the games that they were yeah. talking about um, yeah. I want Emily Blaster <laughs> yeah right that exists it does oh yes. they made it I'm gonna oh, have to look wow. it up now keep in mind I read this in the woods so I had access to no internet and that was my first thought was like I need some Emily Dickinson poetry <laughs> that I can shoot yeah <laughs> That was a funny game. Oh my god. Yeah, that seems fun. That was the game that she made in class. (laughs) Yep, that and Solution. Solution. The concept of Solution was really interesting (laughs) (laughs) but okay like when you learn about solution i guess it's not really spoilery and i love that there's another female character i want to say hannah levin am i getting her name right yes you are and all i'm thinking is i would have been a hannah levin like i hate this and i hate knowing about myself like i might not have gone to the professor but i would have played the game perfectly and then been ticked off that it was telling me I was a Nazi because I was a rule follower and that was like a real personal like you want to be a Sadie Green but you know you're a Hannah Levin moment and I I think you know it's kind of funny you know as an older person now like reflecting on it because the point of the game is to think like when you're doing the right thing sometimes you're doing the wrong thing and it's not to like call people out but it's just a reflection of maybe when these things like this happen you, you should ask questions but yeah that game cracked me up yeah. <laughs> Hannah Levin's reaction just made yeah. me laugh. <laughs> we knew her. We might have been her. Yeah. Hi, but yeah. I thought Maple World sounded interesting. And the other, was it Both Sides? Was both that? Sides was the one that Maple World came yes. from. Both of those games sounded very interesting to me. 
Yeah. That reminded me of like an Animal Crossing type game, yeah. okay. where you have this world and you kind of explore and do things and like time matters, but it doesn't. And I think you can kind of see where she pulled from for that one for me. I don't know if I'd want to play both sides. I did want to play Pioneers really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the game, like you don't necessarily see them making it. It's really, I hate to say it, like a love letter from Sam to Sadie. It's kind of yeah. how he pulls her out of a horrible depression and is able to reach out to her by making this game. And it's really funny because you find out that he makes it, he finds her, he marries her in the game. They're both women in the game, but they get married. Yeah. But what's lovely is that once he gets her out of it, it's like the game stops being supported. If the game only served a purpose to get her. It was no longer about money or success. I loved that. Well, and I think that he knew she liked playing Oregon Trail mm-hmm. when she was a kid. Yeah. Did you play Oregon Trail? I did not because we didn't have a computer. However, I have a fifth grade daughter and they were studying Westward Expansion and we not only played it this spring, we watched videos of other people playing it. So every Oregon Trail (laughs) reference I understood. The You Have Died of Dysentery, the snake bites. So that was really kind of hysterical that I just went through this and then it was in a book. Actually, I told her, I'm like, you're too young now, but when you're old enough, you're going to read this. And she's like, okay. (laughs) Well, I actually did not know that was a game. A real, yes. real oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I played it. What are some of the games that you guys played? Even I'm not a gamer, but I have played Lemonade Stand, that old game, very basic computer game where it's like teaching kids how to run a business, really. Oh. <laughs> um, it's really funny because this book reminded me of a really specific memory from college. And before there was, I believe it's now World of Warcraft, the game was just called Warcraft. And you played either by yourself or with networked computers. You didn't play on the internet. And that kind of reminded me of them building some of these worlds. And I don't even know what they said in the book that reminded me of this. The thing that I realized is when I played it, it was because a bunch of my male friends had their computers networked and they thought it would be funny to play with us girls. So there were four of us girls that they networked our computers I don't know how they did this they just came over and did it so they were like the Sams in the book they're like yeah we want to play this game with you here you go now you can play but it was so funny because us girls would like take our time and build our little world we were very like Maplewood people like let's make our lives pretty and then they would just come in with dragons and bomb us because the goal was to destroy everything because in the book you see people approaching games differently like Mm -hmm. Dov the professor that Mm -hmm. Sadie is having an affair with on and off throughout the book actually (laughs) you see him judge games in a different way and I think think one of the things that you see the characters and when they develop the games deal with is how are people going to interact with it and that's one of the things with both sides now is there's like a fantasy game and a real life game and they all thought that the fantasy part was going to be the thing that drew people in and it wasn't it was this real life people liked the real world side so that kind of reminded me of that playing Warcraft with my friends and having half the people like just there to bomb and shoot and destroy and the rest of us were like how do we build our little villages how do we ensure our peasants have crops So, Warcraft is one I saw a lot of. I'm not like a huge gamer, but I think they talk about, you know, you have your platform games, your role-playing games, and I'll be honest, role-playing games I'm the worst at. I had this horrible version of a Lord of the Rings book, and we could never get out of the Shire, and I forget why, because you had to, like, talk to people and collect goods, and that, to me, was just the worst. I just wanted to shoot some things, and I don't want to have to solve a mystery. Mm, That reminds me of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? I played that. be chasing Carmen Sandiego, who was on the run, and interviewing people at different places. And that, again, was to teach kids geography. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But I think, too, you have kind of the company that they create in my mind was very philosophical and how they approached games. I can't handle shoot 'em up games at all. I get almost like vertigo and sick when I play. So the games we even play at home, it's like a lot of the Mario, the racing mm-hmm. games. You have like point A to point B that you have to get to. I was interested in, what is it, like the murder mystery with Marlowe? Master of Rebels. Master of Rebels. It's kind of oh, the last yeah. game in the book. Yeah. Like I'm like, the English major in me is like, that could be fun. But the realist in me is like, there's no way you're playing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game did seem interesting. I kind of forgot about that one. I thought it was interesting too how Sadie really liked, even going back to her time in her classroom, she liked these high concept yes. things mm-hmm. and artistic types of games, which didn't necessarily, they weren't always commercial. And so yeah. Sam would be better at like, I want it to be something that people want to play. Yeah. Right. And so they kind of balanced each other out that way. Yeah. But I think part of that was Sam was very poor and Sadie yes. wasn't. So a lot of Sam's decisions were based on money. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about that is it never made Sam the bad guy for choosing something that earned money over something that didn't. And that was kind of some of their conflicts because mm-hmm. Sadie was the one who could afford to be high concept and like she could make those decisions because at one point in the book and this was a moment that broke my heart because they're not fighting and she's like well you went with this company and he's like Sadie I had a hospital Mm -hmm. bill my student loans were due I talked to you about it I needed money and that gave me money I think it's really interesting to have that perspective and not paint him as the bad guy to be motivated by money. It was just who he was, and neither was she bad for not needing that safety net. Mm-hmm. Even though he did have kind of really cool grandparents. I love his uh, yes. grandparents. I know. Yeah. And they had, what was it, a Donkey Kong game? A Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong game, game. yeah. Uh, and Sam always played it, and he was like the top Yeah, the top scorer. Yeah. <laughs> and that was something that brought him together, too. It was the grandparents, they're Korean, but they owned a pizza Pizza. place, a New York pizza place in K-Town, and it was just great. And then, oh, another thing that I thought was so cool about that is you keep hearing about this picture of the most beautiful woman in K-Town, and it ends up being Sam's mother, but you don't find out until much later. Mm -hmm. And it's just so organic how that comes out. I wondered why we talked about it at first, but when Mm -hmm. it came full circle, it's like, okay, so that's why that poster's up. It's important to them. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I thought was interesting is one of the game shows that Sadie and her sister always watch is the game show The Mom is On. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love that connection. Yeah. So even though she didn't know her, she kind of did. Yeah. Julia, I, did you play any games? I did a lot of Mario Kart, yeah, Super sure. Mario Bros., everything like that. And my brother was into gaming. He had, like, a PlayStation and mm-hmm. I had the Nintendo DS and all of that. But, yeah, that was kind of it. Never a huge gamer. So I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to connect to this, but Mm -hmm. even when they were making their first game and they're going through the whole creative process, it just felt so relatable, even though I have no knowledge or no basis for any of it. I feel like that's a tough thing to do. And she did such a good job at making these games that you know aren't real, Mm -hmm. but they felt real. Like, I felt like I could go out and buy them. Or even the high school doppelganger, oh, I can't remember the real name of the game, that comes later in where it's like, yeah, "Yeah, I can see this being popular. I can see this existing in the world. And there's reference points. There's all these online games where it's like, that's the whole point. You know, you try to find out who's who and who's (laughs) dating who. And that's a game and that would be successful. It's real. Yeah. I did like, was it Abe and Simon? Ant and Simon. Ant, sorry, Abe. Yes. Ant and Simon. They were great too. Yeah. I loved them. Yeah, I liked them as well. 
the story takes place on the coast. So it's Mm -hmm. in part in Massachusetts when they're in college because they're going to college there. And like you said, they're from California, so they're not used to the wintertime there. And then they head back to California where they were from. And that's where they have their headquarters. And it kind of makes sense, too, because that's where all the tech stuff is. In some ways, I suppose parts of the story could have been set somewhere else, but I kind of think like they needed to end up where... Where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, and this might have been just more like that universal college experience of being shoved in small spaces with people that you wouldn't meet otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, Sam and Sadie had that background and they kind of ran into each other because they were in the same circles. But, you know, meeting Marks and even Dov to a certain point, that wouldn't have happened without being that forced together. Like, we're in this place where we're still kind of strangers and this is my roommate, so we're kind of default friends. And now the three of us are going to live together in this apartment and this is the small world where in that felt so real and then when they were able to move away they also kind of drifted apart geographically so they were no longer sharing Mm -hmm. space and I think that's so real to like aging out of college and trying to find it on your own and like there's people who are still important to you but you're no longer sharing the small space with them and it's just easier to drift apart and to not see eye to eye and all at the same time when you come together get surprised it's like oh wait what happened to that person that I spent a summer with creating a game but also like I haven't seen you for two years. And I loved how grown up that felt. Mm -hmm. What I liked about the story too is even though it's definitely set in a certain era and I think people of the age that's around the age of the author, I think they will be able to relate to that time period. I think it's a big story that a lot of people can relate to. So even like you were saying, Julia... If you're not a gamer, I think this Mm -hmm. story is going to have something for you. Because it's really about stories. I mean, that's what the games Mm -hmm. ultimately end up being. It's storytelling. You know what? We didn't talk about the title. Oh, we didn't. We skipped Shakespeare completely. Until I read the book, I didn't get the reference. You mean, was it hammered in your head? Because that was the first thing I thought of. (laughs) Really? Mm -hmm. I feel like if I was more of a drama person or something like that. I mean, I took a class on Shakespeare. I don't think we read Macbeth in the class that I took. I ended up reading Macbeth later, but yeah, it didn't stick out to me. And then I was like, that's kind of the perfect title because it's about how in gaming you get a new life, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also like how every day we get a new day. We have second chances, but also Mm -hmm. like day is going on and there's always, like you said, another chance. And I think what's really cool about this is if you keep reading the speech, it also has out out brief candle told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing so there is a lot in there that we just i think we've entered into our consciousness so it's such a great quote too because it's both subtle but also in your face for a lot of reasons yeah i think some people would definitely get it right away and other people like for me it didn't connect no i didn't either (laughs) i was gonna kind of move on to some read-alikes i thought of the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay by michael shaban second because it reminded me so much of that one because that one is about these two friends who create comic books and again it's one of those where it's like you might think oh i'm not really into comic books but it doesn't matter because it's a big story it's about love it's about war it's set in part in world war ii so it's a little bit different in terms of the historical time period but it's just one of those stories that it's really 
taps into a lot of universal experiences and you don't have to be into comic books to like that one I kept on thinking about that when I was reading mm-hmm. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Another book that I thought might relate to Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is Beautiful Ruins by Jess Walter. That's about movie making, so it has that creative component as well. And it takes place in part in Italy, and part of it is in Hollywood, and it kind of goes back and forth in time. And it's another one where I feel like most people, I could recommend these three books too and they would like something about them they would find something in them I think it's kind of hard to find those books because we are living in a time when you can discover your own little quirky worlds like it's all kind of niche magazines were geared to niche hobbies now the internet if you're on social media you find these little sections of the online world or social media that appeal to your unique interests i feel like we don't live in a time where we're necessarily finding things that like a lot of people like I mean that's not the case all the time Mm -hmm, like I think of Game of Thrones had a huge audience so there are things that come up like that but I feel like a lot of times there aren't books that you can feel pretty confident like almost anybody would like this one but that's how I feel about these books my read alike. Sarah already mentioned one, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Again, it's sweeping, it's through time, it's friendships that change and collaborations that change. The other book that I thought of that I think creates the same found family and people kind of forced into a situation who become friends that wouldn't in the bigger world is John Green's Looking for Alaska. Oh, yeah. It's not as big as this, but I think it captures that smallness, but also that what's next to the great, perhaps the great beyond. And also I'm going to go on another John Green tangent. If you haven't read his Anthropocene Reviewed, he has a fabulous chapter in there about Mario Kart and how video gaming brings males together in a friendship way and like sitting around and playing games is kind of a way to interact. And that's just a fascinating essay. So if you don't want to read the whole book, you just have to read that one short essay. (laughs) I also would recommend her YA book, the same author, Gabrielle Devin. The first book she wrote is called Elsewhere. And it's about a girl who dies in an accident and she ends up in this elsewhere. And the idea is people in elsewhere have passed on and they age backwards until they are kind of reborn. Mm, So it's people dealing with finding family and then losing them but like you find out like there's a couple and as the one de-ages and turns into a baby these families become people that new people who have passed on or people who passed on at older ages have to take care of and it's just very interesting and then I strangely thought of and I can't point to a book but Ann Tyler books I think have the big generational sweet feelings and the other book The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen is also like a family saga Mm -hmm. that goes over time and people come in and out of each other's lives. Is there anything else that we want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? In the generation of video games, and especially those of us who might have, like Sarah said, connections to the 90s, whether it's living through them or romanticizing them, as some younger people might, it is a really great book. And I think it has a lot of universal appeal. And there's such a great female protagonist Mm -hmm. that, again, I can't wait to read feminist criticism about it in about five to ten years. (laughs) When did this come out? It came out last year, and it was on a lot of best of lists, and it's oh. still on the bestseller oh, list. Oh, wow. It's very popular. Can but we when cast my friend, it? Ooh, yeah. Okay. 
I did way too much research on this. Because <laughs> here's the thing. You need to find characters that are going to be young enough to play them as kind of like 20-somethings, but yeah. also can handle them as 30-somethings. So actually, I have a younger and an older version for Sadie. I really want Jenny Slate, but I also think Maud Apatow would be great. I don't know her. What is she? She's the daughter of Judd Apatow, Mm -hmm. and she's in Euphoria, but she also had some younger roles where she was in some of her dad's movies. But she kind of has that brown hair. She's pretty, but also, like, you can definitely, I hate saying this because she's probably dropped on gorgeous. They kind of cast her in that kind of, like, best friend type role. So Mm -hmm. kind of, like, you get to feel it. That she's beautiful, but also, like, you can look past her. Henry Goulding for Marx. He was the guy in Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, I know this is a little bit weird, but I want Manny Janko. He was in The Good Place. He played... Oh, my God. Oh, oh, Jeep Jason. Jason. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes, he's, yes. He, here's why. He's so dumb in that, but I think he could switch it to smart. But he has just that charisma and smile and kind of, like, boyishly good looking. Yeah. For, you're saying... For Sam. For Sam. Yeah. Oh, I can totally see I have seen him in something else where he was very unlike his character okay. in yes. The Good Place. Um, the good place. Okay. Yes. So he can do other things. Yes. I think Jenny Slate would be good. I, I could I, I mean, but I don't know. And even then, like, how old would you cast them? Like, would you want someone older and, like, young them down for the younger stuff? But I think, or, like you said, you yeah. could have two. You could yeah. have... Yeah. Because you'd have to, anyway, if you want to show them... Oh, and they're the, kids. Yeah. 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 In the hospital. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I love casting, <laughs> especially before they've been cast. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you for making me read this, Sarah. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Beyond the Dusk. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. You can find all the book titles we discussed in the show notes, plus a link to the online game Emily Blaster. Tune in again next month when we talk about books and authors that make us laugh out loud. That's all for this episode. See you next time.